Thanks. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> oh, good morning. How are we going? That was beautiful. Um, something about being together and singing. Um, yeah, thanks, guys, for leading us in that. Um, I want to start this morning... I'm going to be doing a few weird things this morning. <laughs> so you're just going to have to... Well, you don't have to, but I'm going to invite you to come along a little bit of a different kind of journey with me. But just to start with, just close your eyes for a minute. And just take a deep breath. Just listen for your heartbeat. Put your finger on your pulse if you want to. Just feel that you're alive. And feel that you're here. And just in your mind, kind of acknowledge how you're feeling. And what might be going on in your world that's present or heavy or exciting or just the mental load. Just think about that thing or many things. Just spend a second and just name it in your mind. Take another breath. And breathe out. And you can open your eyes. Wherever you're at this morning and whatever is going on, I want you to know that that's okay. I want you to feel that that's okay. And that can just be there. It doesn't have to go anywhere. But I want to invite you to remember that you're alive and that you're here and that we are here together. So if there's that thing, that's fine. That can stay, maybe on the seat next to you. And um, I'm going to invite you into a bit of a conversation this morning. So normally I'm the one who gets up here. And for those who don't know me, my name's Jess and um, I've been coming to the church for a long time now and have two beautiful kids who you'll no doubt hear screaming next door and um, hubby up the back on the tech. Um, I'm an elder here at the church as well and I'm also a teacher so that's kind of a bit of me and you might get a bit of all of that today and hopefully some new things but um, yeah my passion and background is I love theology, I love church history, I love um, delving deep into the text and I love pulling all those things out and putting that all together but I feel challenged today to sort of step back from that little bit be a little bit restrained because I don't want this to be my journey that I then just tell you but I kind of want this to be our journey that we kind of share in and construct together. Um, this has all come from uh, my sort of week's experience. Um, yesterday I got back from Adelaide and I was attending a conference there um, for the Society of Christian Spirituality. 
So it was an international conference and a bunch of super smart people who have PhDs and, and all of that came to present a lot of their research and their ideas around spirituality and the place that it has in the world, both for the Christian in a church context and also for a modern seeker, someone who's not religious or might be put off from religion or for whatever reason not want to be part of a religion but still seeking that kind of spiritual fulfillment. What role does spirituality, and in particular our tradition in Christianity of spirituality, what does it have to offer? And um, this was a place for um, contemplation. And it's this idea of contemplative practice, which is not my strong point, I have to admit. I'm a head person. Um, that's how I like to process things, but I figured, well, done a week of that, I probably should try <laughs> and incorporate a bit of that into this space. And I do feel a sense of God calling me into that more. But I don't think that means I have to let go of this. I think there's a, a marrying of those. And that's what I got out of this conference really, is I can be exactly who I am and do the things that I love, but there's also a mystery of God that I need to let be part of my journey. Yeah. So today, I'm gonna to be leading us through our next passage in the book of Mark. Chapter 1, verse 9 to 20. And I've been challenged to do this, as I said, in a way that incorporates some of what I've been engaging with over the last week or so. And I'd love to invite us into that space that is a bit, a bit more contemplative this morning. Uh, a space that gives us a bit more time to reflect and experience my, what might be being represented in this passage. And I'm not going to be approaching this with the aim of having a definitive answer. So it's not going to be like this is sort of where we're headed and yes, we're here. I want this to be more of an invitational conversation, kind of be like what just emerges from this. Create a bit more room. I'm not going to be doing all the talking. That's hard for me. Um, but we might want to discuss some things together, and I have some little activities. And as I said, I'm a teacher, so that's, you know, this is my teacher hat coming out. I'm like channeling my absy when I do this. <laughs> um, okay, now as I'm saying this, you might be feeling, oh, just like that, really uncomfortable. Where you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, and that's completely okay, because this is an invitation which means you can engage with this as deeply as you want to or, or not, you can just observe, that's fine. Um, I do want to encourage you to acknowledge how you're feeling and maybe think of why you might be feeling that way, but also let go of any expectations you might have in this space and um, have a bit of a posture of curiosity. What might you notice that you haven't noticed before? What might you feel you haven't felt before? Does that sound okay? Yeah? 
got some nods, I've got some looks of potential horror. Um, we're going <laughs> to go on this journey, it's not too scary. Like I said, we'll just engage as deeply as you want to, but I do hope and pray that the Spirit enlivens you today. All right. I'm going to start with an acknowledgement of country. And I think sometimes we can do this and it becomes a little bit tokenistic. We just do it because it's the thing to do. Um, a big part of the conference I went to was about the Indigenous experience, First Nations experience and First Nations wisdom. And I think it's important that we think about that. So let's be intentional and aware of where we are. We are on Darawal land. And I want you to just feel your feet on the ground. I want you to think about the earth that's underneath us. I want you to think about the building that we're in and the materials that have been drawn from the earth to create this shelter. Think about the trees outside and the sky and the land that is around us, the bays and the rivers, the oceans, the waterways. And the significance all of those things have to the First Nations peoples and how they've been such faithful stewards of this land for such a long time. And then a little, well not a little, a very big thought to the impact of dispossession of the land and what that means to them and what it now means for our climate and our earth. So we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet to worship today, the Darawal Nation. We acknowledge the stewardship and care of the local beaches, bushland and waterways by the Darul Nation on behalf of our almighty creator. We promise to walk softly and gently on this land, recognising the deep connection that the land, sky and sea have to the Darul Nation's kinship ties and experiences of the creator spirit. We would also like to pay our respects to the elders past present and emerging. We acknowledge and welcome all other Aboriginal peoples present today. All right. I'm just going to pray for us as well. Almighty God, our Creator, um, you are here with us now and we are grateful to know you. pray that you would speak to us today and that we would listen. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So, um, thanks for doing that with me. I appreciate that. Uh, one of the significant themes that came through the conference, as I mentioned, um, was this kind of Indigenous and First Nations 
experience and wisdom, and that was set in the context of a really significant issue that we're facing um, as a community of humankind across the planet, and that is a climate crisis. Um, and wherever you sit on that, I mean, the reality is the climate is um, causing, well, there's so many issues that are happening um, with our land and climate and the resources and the, the plundering of those resources, the greed and the destruction. And spirituality was kind of, it was a conversation that everyone was having about what role does it play in terms of addressing real issues like this? Because I think one of the things that came out is that there are so many people who are so aware of the real issues that are happening in our real world and are getting a little bit fed up of how some of our religious traditions aren't doing anything about it. And so that's sort of the conversation that was happening. And it was like, what can spirituality offer? What can Christian spirituality offer? And then there was this invitation to listen to First Nations wisdom, their understanding of the land, and what can that offer? And so we heard from one of the keynote speakers, a guy called um, Gary Deverell, and he impressed upon us the immense importance of the land, not only to First Nations identity and spirituality, but to the survival of all humankind. Um, and this was, yeah, it was a lot to process, but one of the key things that I want to present to you today is this understanding of the interconnectedness of our existence, of ourselves to God and to our community and to the land. And all of these things sort of interconnect. So there was a framework that was put forward to us um, at the conference, and it was something that was really moving and challenging and inspiring to me, and it's this idea called Kanyini. Now, I'm not sure if anyone's seen uh, the documentary that was actually uh, by Uncle Bob Randall, and he uh, talked about Kanyini. Um, and it was this First Nations idea, you can kind of see it up here, about this connectedness of all of these different dimensions. So I'm not gonna to talk to you specifically about that Kanyini idea today because there's so much in that and I haven't delved into it enough to do it justice, but I do want to kind of look at these interconnected elements and sort of see how that can help us in our reflection today. But I'm gonna show you a little video, um, and it's of Uncle Bob Randall. He has now passed away, so just, if anyone is um, Indigenous here, just be aware of that. Um, but he, I'm gonna let him explain what it means, and then we'll go from there. Right. So that was the concept, or the vision, the practice, that was kind of presented to us and that wisdom of these interconnected relationships that are vibrant with love and responsibility and the interconnectedness between 
us as humankind with every other living thing. At the conference, there was this idea of how does this reflect a Christian spirituality? And the four dimensions that were mentioned, which have been known for a very long time in terms of what makes up our spiritual well-being or our holistic selves, you've got the transcendent dimension, which in our context would be our relationship with God, our belief system within Christianity. You've got the personal dimension, soul, spirit, our bodies. You've got the communal dimension, the family and the community, and then the environment, you know, where we live, our place, which is important to us. And when it was explained initially, a kind of a Western understanding is that all these things are compartmentalized. You have your God experience, you have your family experience, you have your personal development stuff, you have your environment, land, you know, go to the beach, whatever. The indigenous wisdom of Kanyini, challenging part about it, is that nothing can exist without the other. It is completely interrelated and interconnected. There's no way you can have the God element without the land element. You can't have the communal element without the personal element, without the God element, without the land element, and all the interconnections that happen. And we often are trained to think about things in categories, whereas in Indigenous wisdom there's this concept or this vision or practice of being interconnected. That's what I want to bring today. So what we're going to do, so I'm going to read our passage. I've got a sheet for those of you who are practical. might get you to take one and pass it on. Thank you. There's some pens up there if you don't have any. And it's just going to give you an opportunity to jot down some ideas if you want to. Or you can do it on your phones, or you can do it however, or you can just listen. But as I read our passage today, what I want you to do is think about those connections. Think about where God interacts with the human agents, the human characters. How do the humans interact with God? Where are the relationships between the humans? What role does the land, the earth, the created order have to play in this story? So listen for those things. All right. We're going to start at verse 9. It should be up on the screen as well. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son 
whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had got a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Just take a minute to reflect and maybe chat to the people who are around you about some of those connections you might have noticed. Where did you see God interacting with a human character? Where did you see humans interacting with God? Where is the land elements? Where are the relationships? What do you notice? So you can talk if you want for a minute.
All right. I'm going to ask you now, what were some of the things that you noticed? What were some of the connections that you made? You can yell out if you want. Heaven torn open, yeah. <coughs> this heavens part of the created earth t- tearing open, yeah. What else? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That really drew me in as well. The water, the dove, the heavens, they have their own agency and they have their own voice and they are the vehicle for God bringing Jesus' identity to him. What else? How does God speak? And what does he say? You are my son. Connectedness. Because what's the metaphor? It's family. Community. And how is the spirit represented? A dove. It's this incarnate embodiment in the creation, in this animal. And then Jesus is invited into this wilderness place and who's, what's with him? Animals. Yeah. It's not alone in that sense. We think of that wilderness often being a um, dangerous place, which it probably was, but I think, I don't know, these animals are part of God's creation. How were they inspiring him, speaking to him? How are they agents in the story? What does the desert place have to say to the story? And then Jesus finds the disciples where? In the water. And we go back to the water. And it's another agent. And they get their calling of who they are. Jesus receives that from God in his water experience and then delivers that message to the disciples in their water experience. And the water becomes an agent of God's mission and ministry.
Yeah. It's very grounding, isn't it? And very real and very here, which I think is something we probably need more of. I feel that way. Did you have something to say? Did you have your hand up? No? All good? Okay. All right. A few comments just to flesh this out a little bit about these movements for you. Um, I don't have time probably to do our last activity, but I might give it to you as something you might want to do in your own devotion time. So I'll let you know about that in a minute. Um, but I'm going to put some artworks up just for you to reflect on. Well, I just give you a few of my own reflections and see whether that resonates with you about these movements. The first one being that baptism um, and there's this beautiful painting. And when I was reflecting on what this represents, um, Jesus is, he goes to get baptised because he hears the message of John. He's drawn to John's message and he's inspired by it and he wants to be part of it. And so John's the one who opens the invitation and Jesus responds but John's message is one of judgment. And then Jesus has that experience. And it's one of family. Not the judgment of this overarching, like, angry figure, but of a father, of a parent. And Jesus has this experience of being the, the nearness of God and it's the immersion of the water I wonder what that felt like when you're in the water and you feel it around your body and I wonder what that meant for him when God said I'm near you and I wonder the next time you get in the water whether you feel that too God is near and that was the message that emerged out of this baptism experience for Jesus. And it was there that he got this, you are my child, you are a part of my family message from God. And then he's invited by the spirit into the wild. And there's definite parallels when you look at the biblical stories of the wilderness being like the wilderness that the Israelites went through and after being delivered from slavery. Jesus overcomes what they could not. There's definitely that part of it. But I also wonder what this wilderness represents. The wild places of the world are unordered and untouched, and unforged, and unfamiliar. They're risky, and they're dangerous, and they're messy. And the temptation when facing the wild is to tame it, to assert the familiar. 
But I think Jesus was being called by God to declare a new way and forge new paths. And I don't think he was meant to, I suppose if we use a word colonize, he's not meant to colonize that wilderness. I think it was a rejection of old ways. And that's what that wilderness experience could have represented. And amongst the wildness of the animals and in that vast desert space where there's this wildness, untameness of God. Like Aslan. God can't be tamed. His, mis- his mission and his message is one of family, but it doesn't get to be defined by us. It is defined by God. It's wild. And in that space, the landscape has a consciousness. It has something to say. God speaks through it. And in it, it is infused with divine energy. And then out of that, Jesus comes out from being in this wild place. And the first thing we learn is that John's been arrested and silenced. This beloved cousin and probably mentor of Jesus has been taken away. And it's interesting to note that that's the catalyst for Jesus going, now it's my time. And he announces the kingdom. And this is where I think that beautiful wisdom from Uncle Bob Randall has something to say. What is the kingdom? We know that it's near. It's not a far off place. It belongs to the poor. It belongs to everyone. It's something present. And I just felt that idea of that practice of unconditional love in its interconnectedness into every sphere of every living thing, of every part of our existence and presence here is unconditional love kingdom. But then the other part of that is the responsibility. We have love for God and God has love for us. We have responsibility to God, God has responsibility to us. We have that for each other. We have that for the land. And it's all these interconnected parts of unconditional love as in we are dependent on one another and we are dependent on this land. If we didn't have that, we we don't exist. And the land, I love how the First Nations people talk about the land loves us. The land sacrifices itself for us. Every time an animal dies, every time fruit falls off the tree, it sacrifices itself for us. Every time the seed dies to then create something for us to thrive and flourish and survive. And how long are we going on without being aware of that? That's kingdom. 
That's what Jesus is talking about here. This doesn't come out of this weird spiritual out there. It comes from being embodied in the earth, of being in the water and in the desert. That's where this message comes from, and it can't be separated from that. And then Jesus is called child, and he reaches to his disciples and calls them children. And it's this circle that continues, and we are loved, and so we love others. And the earth loves us, and so we love the earth. And God loves us, so we love God. And then finally, Jesus is drawn to the water to find the ones who will continue this message, the ones who are so not the right ones by the world's standard. But they know the water and they know the wild. And they're the ones that Jesus calls his followers. And I called this for some reason, deep calls to deep. And that just impressioned on me. And it's this idea of, um, well that just popped into my head and so I looked up the verse and it said, in Psalm 42 verse 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. There is this wild, dangerous, risky, controversial, but incredibly overwhelming metaphor of God's love and responsibility to us in these crashing, roaring waves. And then as Jesus emerged from that river, the disciples emerged from the sea to then be part of this interconnected kingdom. And these Four movements are profoundly interconnected. They belong together. And I think when we think kingdom, we often think of something that's separate to Jesus' actual earthly experience, but it's not. All of these parts all work together, and that ministry, that vision, that word of God comes out of this space. And we need to stop separating ourselves from how God speaks in the earth. All right. I could go on, but I think that's all we have time for. Um, I have another activity. If you want to have a look at it afterwards, feel free to take it with you. It's a really good reflection of what I've been talking about today. So I'd encourage you to give it a go and let some of this really settle. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that here we're in a community and this is kingdom as we are here together. Um, so I just invite Bredo, if you don't mind just playing some music, and I just want to encourage you to turn to the people next to you and just pray for each other. Um, 
Yeah, and then we'll go. Be blessed. <laughs>